My name's Anna Seward and welcome to the Lost Trees podcast, episode two, in which we'll encounter some quite literally lost trees in a really old orchard dating back to the 1800s. Just to note that this is one in three parts of a walk, so if you haven't already, do have a listen to episode one, in which we discovered some fruit trees growing inconspicuously in built-up areas of the town of Staley Bridge. If you've listened to that already, then welcome back. If you want to see something visual as we go, there is a link to the map with some photos from the walk in the episode description. So we start this leg of the walk by rejoining the route up the Gorse Hall coach road, leading up to the historic orchard at the top. It's a long walk up the hill through the Gorse Hall estate, and I paused part of the way up to catch my breath and to take some note of some interesting features to be seen on the way to the orchard. Okay, so I've reached a junction here. The road forks into two paths. I think to the right takes you to the old hall and the stables. But I'm going to follow the left fork because that's the original original route we were going to follow on our walk. So I'm walking up the wide path. On my right is the fernery. That's like a little stony grotto in a way, where Sam explained to me yesterday that there were probably planted some quite impressive exotic ferns at one time. It was quite a Victorian thing to plant source exotics if you were rich and try and plant impressive gardens to impress your rich friends. There's not much left of it now apart from the stones and a few what look to me like pretty native ferns. So I'm just passing that, moving on up towards the orchard. So, following the narrow path up around, you can see on my left the remains of an old building. And we've arrived at what remains of the old kitchen garden. So there's some brick foundations here which I wonder if they were perhaps an old glass house. Um, They look pretty substantial. So this area was where one end of the kitchen garden and you can still see quite a lot of foundations. So I think those would be for sheds and for hot houses, for all the exotic plants. Um, and glass houses so they'd probably be growing well Sam thought they might be growing pineapples and things in here and then behind that is the is the orchard so I'm walking up to the top now and it, it opens out into grassland really quite open a few scattered trees but really nice open area and from the top here I'm not going to go up there now but it is Absolutely stunning views at the top. Really nice place to have a pause on this walk. There's a uh, pond with a bench next to it, so that's a good place to have a little rest. And I'm heading towards the orchard gate now. So that's the access point to the Gorse Hall Orchard. From this point, I'll pick up from when I visited the orchard with Sam Bolton. 
He's an ecologist working at Greater Manchester Ecology Unit, who we met in the last episode, and he talked about his link with this orchard. So, just a quick reminder on that, Sam completed a research study of this orchard as part of a wider fruit tree restoration project in Greater Manchester in 2013, called Grafting for Orchards. He hadn't visited this orchard since doing some planting there eight or nine years ago, so it was really interesting to look around with him for trees that he'd identified in his research back then. Just to note also that the orchard isn't currently accessible to the public and the entrance gate is kept locked, so unless you come as a volunteer, you won't be able to explore it as we did. However, from the gate you can see into the first section, an area that's cut back and maintained by the Friends Group. After visiting this part, we then proceed into other parts of the orchard which can't be seen from the gate and are much more overgrown. This was recording in action, so expect plenty of rustling and discussion as we move about in search of some trees that we think could be well over 150 years old. Okay, so there's a sign here that explains about the orchard. Mm. It says that as part of the restoration of the orchard, we've been trying to identify the original fruit varieties. These included Lord Suffield and Margaret Apple. So were you involved in that? I was, yeah. yeah so we, um, we worked with the Northern Fruit Group to try and identify some, and also we sent some off to Brogdale to, mm-hmm. to be identified as well. So Brogdale's the, the home, of, home of apples in the, in the UK, so they have hundreds of varieties of different apples, and they'll, they'll work out the variety for you. Just mm-hmm. by looking at them, it's not through DNA testing or anything like that, although you can do that now. We found out some of the varieties, some weren't really in a good enough condition to, to work, uh, work out what they were. It's quite interesting really, because even the ones that we did find out, so the Lord Suffield and the Margaret, so the Lord Suffield will be still ready November time, December, whereas the Margaret is a super early one mm-hmm. um, and would be ready sort of July time. So the idea being, I should imagine, was that they wanted as longer growing season as possible so they would have had different varieties that were ready at different times mm-hmm. some to eat now some to store later margaret's a super bad storer so when it falls off the tree it rots pretty much within a week it's gone right? so it's got a super tiny window that's probably why you ha- hardly see it anywhere because in terms of it being commercially viable it, Margaret's a total no-no. Mm. So, so for, the, modern, for modern uses, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. But whereas somewhere like Gorse Hall, where it's going straight straight into the house and it's going to be used straight away, yeah. then it works for those two weeks or so when it's in yeah. uh, in season. And that was the value of a lot of these older heritage varieties, was that some might look a bit weird, but they stored really well? or but Yeah, yeah, stored, stored really well, or juiced really well, or baked baked well and I guess with this this hall there was probably a a, they would have liked some quirkiness in them in that people like to have different different fruit to show off to to people that came around as well so like with the fernery it was all about kind of quite a lot of showing off yeah 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 definitely so there would be some um, practical applications to the apples but yeah I think the more quirky different varieties you had I'm sure that would have been a, a talking point around the table mm. and so it refers here on the sign to where possible we're planting new trees from grafts some old varieties include Caroline named after the Lord Suffield's wife and pot seedling which was developed in Ashton so did you plant those yes. in here? yes yeah. so there should be so, so we're going to have a look at those there should be some now 
Brilliant. Okay, let's let's go in. Let's hope the gate's open. So we're going in the gate now. Mm -hmm. uh, down a little step. It's pretty uneven round here, as I remember. So we got to go carefully. There was a wall wall that ran along that they'd have grown espaliers on, and a fruit that liked more sun as well. Um, mm -hmm. So they may have had plums and maybe figs and they, they, they did have a glass house I think on one side of this as well so they could have had more exotic fruit growing on there as well maybe pineapples you don't know wow. so yeah so we're in a section we just walked through the gate and there's a, a, a kind of section before you get to the main bit of the orchard which I think if I'm right runs along as a strip along and then there's a series of sections in front that's, of that that's right so i we never really found any fruit trees in this main long strip that runs parallel um, parallel to the orchard uh -huh. but this is the, this is where they've uncovered a well as well ah right okay just, just a, let's have a look no <laughs> i will try not to you can't see it but there's a stone there's a big stone circle all the way around here where there was where there was a well. So it's pretty overgrown, there's a lot of brambles, mm. so it's hidden, but yeah. I can see stones, sort of mossy stones underneath all that, so. Great, so yeah, that makes sense for a kitchen garden. Right, and now I'm going along the path and down some steps. So this right ahead of us, I believe is a pear, is that right? That's right, yeah. And did did this ever get identified in terms of its variety? No, no, because it hasn't it hasn't fruited or didn't fruit when I was. Apparently, it fruited this year. All oh, right, okay. Well, that's that's good. Could that be a pear? This is this is a pear. You can tell you can tell the difference between apples and pears fairly easily by the buds. So, can you see this bud here? It's really pointy. So yeah. that's a that's a pear. Whereas apples tend to be have a more of a rounded bud, uh -huh, yeah. um, but also they have different forms a lot of the time as well. Yeah, don't they grow more upright? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've yeah. noticed that in the high park orchard. Yeah. Yeah, pears have a lot more upright form, whereas yeah. apples have a more spreading form. Yeah. And you've got to take that into account when you're pruning them, mm. so the. Uh, you make sure that they grow into the right places. That's exciting then. Next year maybe we'll know what this yeah. this pear tree is. Okay, so we're just going through to the other corner now. This what do you think this is? This this is a this is an apple. Oh, right. It was a more of an ornamental apple again. Um, so not for eating? Well, Eating, you can still eat them. You can eat all. You can eat all apples, yeah. but um, it's more of a smaller, smaller crab apple. So here's your espaliers or uh, attempts at espaliers. Yeah. So we saw those in the summer when they were in full leaf, and they look pretty good actually. Somebody's been keeping them a bit reasonably under control, haven't they? Yeah. yeah so with espaliers. You do need to keep them under control. So mm -hmm. usually you prune espaliers and cordons and steps twice a year. You'll you'll prune them in winter and you'll prune them in the in the summer as well, just to try and help them to keep their shape. But you do need to keep on keep on top of them because yeah. they grow. Yeah. They grow so fast. 
because they can get away and get whippy and that's what you don't want because they they don't have the strength in them to hold the fruit that grows on them mm. um, and also when it's windy they'll they'll yeah, blow they and bash break. against each other yeah. and you, you get damage into the fruit which is mm. which is well damage into the, the the fruit trees which is uh, obviously one thing you don't want yeah you get disease into diseases. it and yeah. then they'll then they'll die mm. so th- these varieties do you remember what these ones were were these the pot seedlings and the caroline caroline so they, they will have been and we, yeah. we selected some you know, other heritage varieties there was a, a wide, wide range of different ones mm. and we tried to pick a mix of ones that flowered early and late as well and so you have more um, nectar sources and pollen sources for for pollinators mm. so these these sort of these sort of orchards generally aren't ever going to be used for large fruit production or for you know they're not feeding the house anymore a lot a lot of them is for local interest and local wildlife as well So what scion wood we could get from the trees that were still here uh-huh. were grafted onto tre- trees um, that are in the orchard now. So there will be some more Lord Suffields and some more Margarets oh, great. to replace ah. the, the, the ones that are here that have died. Um, so I should say a scion is um, a piece of wood that you cut off of the tree that you want to carry on producing the apples for. And it's what the this year's growth is a, is a the scion wood so it's not two year old or three year old it has to be young new new growth mm-hmm. and then you graft that onto some rootstock and that's the only way that you can guarantee that you'll get the same apple so yeah. if you've got a, a granny smith and you took the pip from it and planted it in the ground you wouldn't get a granny smith that would come back you'd get something slightly different or something really different mm. mm-hmm. you don't know what you get basically. you don't you don't know what you get no. so that's why you that's why you graft trees and um, grafting's a sort of winter activity winter activity so you do it whilst the trees are dormant but as close as possible to the trees the sap starting to flow again mm. within the tree um, and so there's less chance of the scion wood that you've taken off of your trees dying Mm-hmm. And so, so late winter yeah so you tend to spring. cut them cut them off sort of february time and graft them mm-hmm. like march march time mm-hmm. what you can do is cheat a bit and cut them off earlier and keep them in the fridge yeah and then and then graft them great that's a more practical solution so if you were say restoring this orchard further what would you recommend could be done here for example i guess more light into the uh into the orchard because mm-hmm. these these aren't fruit trees here are they, they well they, they are and they aren't these are there's two cherries oh, um, okay. so they produce fruit um but they're i'd say i'd say these are likely to be seedlings mm. so birdstone birdstone wild cherries okay um, there are some really huge cherries at the back if they're still there um and i did wonder whether they were they were original um but yeah. cherries cherries grow quite quickly um, but die quite quickly as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's difficult to tell how these are. So definitely that that's an original tree. This pair. Pa- this pair is. This and the, and the, this the crab ha- apple. Yeah. In, yeah. The, in the corner. So are we going to attempt to go into the next 
yes, section. <gasps> okay. <laughs> this is quite adventurous because it's very overgrown. Okay, so we're climbing through some overgrowth now. Just a bit of rhododendron. Lots of bramble. Lots of bramble. <laughs> okay. So that's the location of this tree here was still alive. <gasps> that was a tree? Yeah, it was a huge, oh. huge apple tree that, that came across. And did you manage to identify that? Um, no, no. Oh, it's it, pretty sad. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't produce anything. We tried to cut bits of the branches off. Mm. To, to get some decent wood to graft it onto. Yeah. And it just didn't, like, there wasn't anything that that was really, really graftable. Yeah, but there is, there is a value, isn't there, in leaving this oh, totally. dead tree there? Yeah, absolutely. Because that is quite important to, yeah, to understand. Yeah, try, try and leave dead wood where it, where it is, because, um, yeah, either standing dead wood or dead wood on the floor is brilliant for um, dead wood invertebrates, mm. and that in turn is, is good for insects and sources for for birds and the like so yeah deadwood invertebrates are, are great and you you get um it's it's a beetle it's called the no, noble chafer beetle yeah if i remember rightly um which potentially you could get in this uh this orchard which would be quite cool so there's another apple there i'm getting brambled hang on <laughs> in the corner oh, so, okay so that yeah, that off the top of my head was the Lord Suffield. All these three stems are all one tree. Okay. So that stem has come all the way over. So that's... Oh, a, right. Okay. So one, two, three. Yeah. So that's grown in quite an unusual way. Is that, is that because it's kind of dropped and then grown upwards? Sort yeah. Of yeah, that's right. One of the branches would have come off. Because it has still got leaves on it, actually. Yep, yep. And it's it's got lots of good growth on there. Wow. So it was probably kept up to quite well until 110 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> when, it was, uh, when it was just abandoned. Um, and so the form then would have suffered because it wouldn't have been pruned well. And so it might have been that the branches come over and snapped or... Mm-hmm. It's not been looked after, so yeah, you're you're in this sort of really. It'd be good to be able to get in a bit closer, but I don't think we can, yeah, can we? Old and damaged state. But it couldn't have one bit growing out of the bottom of the rootstock or anything like that. It could do, and you get that. You get that loads. Yeah, and um, they're quite. They're often more strong growing, aren't they? Yeah, the yeah. So definitely, you'll you'll see you'll see that an awful lot where you'll have a a small old tree which you think might be the rootstock, but that's the original tree. And then this huge, especially with pears, this huge pear tree mm. right next to it. Um, and that's the rootstock that's grown up. Mm. There's, um, there's a really big pear orchard, uh, Etherow Country Park, that's like that, uh-huh. where, all, where most of the pears are the rootstock rather than the original, the original pears, unfortunately. So they're really old, quite old trees. Mm. So that, so that tree is definitely, I'd say, almost 100% part of the original orchard, so wow. a good 150 years old. Wow. So, yeah. And probably not all rootstock growth. There's probably no, some no, lots no, of def- there. No, definitely not. Shall we, shall we carry on? Yep, let's carry on. So we've got a pa- patch of raspberries. 
So are we in the soft fruits bit now? There's part, so part of the, the orchard has soft fruits or would have had soft fruits. I think it's a bit of a coincidence that there's a massive patch of raspberries here still. Yes. Um, and they look a bit quirky, if you, if you know what I mean. They're, they don't seem to be... Um, Necessarily a modern variety. No, no. Especially... Especially like this one here, like you see there's like no, there's no thorns on it at all. You get, so you ah, get, you do, that's definitely a cult, yeah. Yeah, you do get, you do get thornless raspberries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, um, but not, like none, none whatsoever. So it may, it may be a, a remnant from the, uh, from the kitchen garden. So you reckon we're about, that's the second section and then we're into the third section now because I can see a bit of a wall running along here. Yeah, and then we'll, the, yeah, we can, we can sort of get up and get up and through here. Okay. So yeah, I, I think the, I think there were soft roots in, in this section because you've got currants here as well. Right. Um, so again, these are yeah. remin remnants of the, the kitchen garden. So that, that tree there that's fallen over. Is yes. that not an apple tree? This is a, this is a Margaret. Ah, okay. Right, there was a lot of debate about this when we saw. In my head, this was, this was a Margaret, because this is the one that goes over really, really quickly. Yeah. And you just don't. And I'm pretty sure that I had apples on it um, when we came to visit in July. Yeah, yeah. They weren't, they were small, but they were, they were there. So that's been grafted from already. Mm. So that's great that that's still going. There's this really, really big cherry that's there. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that? Yeah. That's, um, that's still going. That poten I think that potentially could be, could be original because it's just so huge. Yeah, it looks really... Like that's got a very fat stem. Yeah. But having said that, let's say they, they do grow really quickly. Yeah. So a hundred-year-old cherry is pretty, pretty impressive. So you can see the wall a lot clearer actually now yeah, as well, the boundary. Yeah. So, so we're, we're and then in, that we're in the bottom, bottom right-hand corner. So there would have been, there would have been fruit that was growing on here as well. But I, I suspect that they would, they wouldn't have lasted because they're more likely to have been grown on a dwarf root stock. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so or. Or, they don't live as long, do they? No, or they would have been closhed, so had glass round them, mm -hmm. or, or there would have been a greenhouse here, so they wouldn't have... Um, yeah, nothing would have lasted as long as the apples on yeah. sort of standard rootstocks. Yeah. So can you see here? Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a tree, and this is the, this is the rootstock. Yeah, right, okay, yeah. That makes sense. From this tree that died. Oh, sad. And so that, we don't know what that was. No. Can you see there's another big stem there of a, a tree that was, that's now gone, unfortunately. So that could have been another fruit tree? Yeah, I'd say so. So actually the orchard does probably go down a little bit further than here, maybe. Yeah. But because you can't, because the Japanese knotweed, you just can't see, can uh, you? And also, can you see here again, there's all this box hedging? Yeah, so right. that suggests that's the boundary. I think that would have been the base, yeah. the base of it, where they would have had hedging. And then the other side, you've got the the stone wall where they've grown things. So it would have looked quite formal, and yeah, very, very much so. Mm. You can see, you can see on the uh, 
um, the old maps, mm. how it was how it was laid out. Yeah. So, as you heard just there, we'd come to the end of the orchard at this point, but I was given a copy of the map that Sam mentions there, and we've uploaded a copy of that online to look at. So, having had a good look around as much of the orchard as we could, Sam and I found a bench nearby and we talked further about the value of community orchards, especially older heritage orchards. Orchards have value in terms of ecology and heritage and health and well-being, especially old orchards are, are really important. They, they hold lots of heritage varieties, so apple varieties and pears and, and, and other top fruit that might not necessarily be commercially viable nowadays. So they won't have a, a really long shelf life or they might bruise quite easily or generally just not look as, uh, as nice as some other mm. fruit. And so from a commercial point of view, um, aren't used anymore. And so these varieties aren't really uh, grown um, in any large amounts. But when, um, when you had your kitchen garden right next to your house and if it was just supplying supplying that one house um, then you could have a you could have all, uh, fruit trees that provided fruit that only lasted a couple of weeks and that was fine so, so that's what we see at gorse hall for some of the trees that remain in and you can you can see on the on the layouts where they had a lot more trees and would have had a lot more trees and so they would have had trees that fruited at different times throughout the year and we talked about that before with the, the margaret and the the lord suffield fruit in and uh, being available at different times so they would have had fruit right throughout the year um but yeah i should imagine that it had been quite nice for the people that stayed uh, stayed in the house as well to wander up through the orchard and see the different blossoms that that come out at different times and the the wildlife that would have been in the orchard it would have been quite a nice nice place to retreat for them as well and is now i'd say with the the volunteers that that come out and look after look after Gorse Hall, it's, it's something something different, something quirky, it's something that gives them that link back to the past. Um, I suppose if I, if I was a volunteer picking picking apples from, from that orchard and taking them home and having a pie, it's pretty cool that you could think that that same tree supplied a quite nice country house um, in Staleybridge where you lived 150 years ago in your taking the same apples from the same tree and doing the same thing but in a totally different time than, mm -hmm. than what happened so yeah lots happened since then yeah to <laughs> totally totally um in terms of wildlife old fruit trees are super great for wildlife so you get a lot of a lot of dead wood that falls off the trees um and you'll have standing dead wood as well so you get loads of great dead wood invertebrates that um you'll you'll find on on, on old fruit trees and they in turn support a lot of birds that will feed on those uh, those insects mm -hmm. so that's uh, that's super important as well so if you're looking at restoring an older orchard you'd want to leave perhaps some of that older wood there for the ecological value yes yeah so the, there is there is a bit of a playoff in the if you were maintaining an orchard for just fruit production really you wouldn't want to leave dead wood lying around because potentially it can harbour and bring in disease that in turn could be passed on to the trees that you have in the orchard but I think wildlife orchards and, and, and community orchards um, are different especially old heritage ones where 
really you're, you're maintaining them not not really for fruit production in any in, in any way you know it, it, it is more about that mix of wildlife and um, past history and and sometimes trying to keep those old varieties going there's lots of different varieties around the UK because just through fate really do you know wherever you were in the UK you wouldn't have traveled super far to get a piece of graft wood to graft onto another tree um, lo- locally you probably wouldn't have even grafted at all you would have just spread out all the seeds in the hedgerow um, or grown grown trees from seeds and the trees that you liked you kept and the ones that you didn't like you got rid of mm. and that's what happened most of the time the graft grafting and cultivating and cultivars were, are a relatively recent thing although although you do have you, you do have some some really old roman apples um most most of the varieties are fairly recent there would have only been certain nurseries where you'd have got them from um so there's quite a whole history about the earliest known tree or variety. The apples at Gorse Hall might have come from a few places. There was some big local tree nurseries um, in the area. So there was a Bealey's, which was uh, quite a big um, nursery. Where where was the Bealey's one? A berry. Ah, right, okay. um, Okay. Yeah, that's still there. Like it's mad, oh, it's all well. overgrown like this, but there's all the glass houses there and everything. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's not an operating nursery no, now? No, no, Wow. Um, and that was specifically fruit trees and stuff that yeah, they sold? Yeah, yeah, fruit trees and, but, and plants as well. Wow. Pinkerton's was the main one, and it was in Wigan, and it was huge, and they had loads and loads of really old varieties, and it was right in the s- centre of Wigan. Um, Wigan has a load of fruit tree history, um, loads of quirky stuff. There's a, there was a woman who kept these handwritten diaries and um, she kept a list of all the fruit trees that she had in her orchard um, and it's super old. I can't remember, I can't remember how, it's like sort of 17th century old. Wow. And, um, and so a lot of the lists there are some of the earliest varieties known in the UK, uh, but all those trees came from London, they didn't come from Wigan. So now having had a good look around the orchard again, and this being quite a few years since his last work there, I asked Sam what further restoration work he thought could be done in the Gorse Hall orchards going forwards. You can, you can go forever in orchards, can't you? There's, um, there's only so much time that you can put into them, but I'd say the things that they, they could do here um, is more pruning on the espaliers, that, 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 would, be, that, that would be good just so they don't get, don't get leggy. The um, Japanese knotweed that's in here isn't isn't ideal, really. That should be should be removed and treated. Um, you can open more of the grass up and um, maybe have an in and an out, so you can walk in one way and out the other. That'd be quite that'd be quite nice. But they're all they're all nice to do. So like the the trees seem the trees seem fairly happy. There's, ha- there's hardly any disease in them this is the new trees this is the um, that is mm. um, the old trees in there like um, there's not too much you can do to to bring them back um, other than real gentle bits of bits of pruning here and there mm. and again just carrying on taking grafts from them and trying to trying to get some of the original trees growing as, as new grafted trees there's a lot of new trees that have gone in already and um, yeah they're Hopefully they'll be here in another 150 years.
And that's where we left our interview. I'd like to say a huge thanks to Sam for taking the time to explore this old orchard again and sharing so much of his knowledge about fruit tree varieties, propagation, ecology, and about the trees in this wonderful old orchard, based on the work that he did during his Grafting for Orchards project. You can find links to a picture gallery showing most of the trees we've talked about in this episode, along with the walk route map in the episode description. Next episode, I'll be speaking to Alan Pickles, who've been involved for many years with a voluntary friends group who manage the Gorsehall Estate. He's really knowledgeable about the history of the site, which gives some really interesting insights and context to the orchard there. Then we'll complete the final part of the Lost Trees Walk, including a more recently planted community orchard situated not far away, with a very different story to tell. So, join us for all that in episode three. Thanks again to Sam Bolton for his brilliant contribution to this episode. Also to Simon Galloway for editing and sound production and to Claire Knox for creating the beautiful music to accompany it. This podcast and the Lost Trees Project is supported by The Bridge, Steady Bridge Heritage Action Zone Cultural Consortium and it was funded by Historic England. <laughs>